Thank you for joining us for this message from April 24th, 2016 with guest pastor Ben Sternkey. Due to technical difficulties, this message is already in progress. I were both ordained into a, uh, this church plant that we're planting in uh, the Indianapolis area, and we were ordained into this denomination, and we're, you know, we're, we're coming into this thing, and I needed to get these booklets printed for the ordination service. And um, it was kind of a last-minute thing, um, and so I, I, I had gone, I found a local place, and I thought, this is great, I'm going to support the local economy, and I'm going to get these booklets printed, and I brought in, I just had my computer, and I brought it in, and I was like, well, here, uh, can you get these printed, I can give you the file, and, and this person, you know, behind the desk uh, did not want to help me. <laughs> That's the only explanation I have. She said, no, I don't think we can do that. And I, like... I knew more than she did about the program, and so I was like, no, 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 you, you can. You can. You can actually do this. I know the program will do, like, can I, can I just come back there? <laughs> and she was like, <sighs> she gave me one of those. But I was like, no, I'm going to get this thing done. I want these booklets printed. I have other things to do today. I don't want to go to another store or try to, you know, like, and the printer's right there. The computer's right here. I know this can happen. Let's make it happen. I was so impatient. Tried to, you know, get it all finagled. But about the third time through, like, trying to set the settings, she eventually just said, like, I just don't think we can do this for you. And I was like, all right, fine. I'm out. I had to go to another store all the way across town. It took me probably an hour more to get everything set up. And I'm just inside, you know. I'm like, I don't have time for this. Now, you know, everything turned out fine. I did have time for that. But this is how we're conditioned to think about the world. I want these booklets printed. Why can't we get them printed? An on-demand world of comfort and convenience. I've got a lot of stories about this. I don't need to share them all. Our kids, uh, our kids are formed in this, aren't they? Our kids are formed in this in that I remember when our kids were younger and we'd go through the grocery store, you know, just get, picking up some groceries. And, and what happens, Right. Like the, the end cap displays, like they, it's, it's super strategic, right? The, the, all, the, all the way that they kind of display these things. And the kids are like, can I get this toy? Can I get some candy? And we'd always say no. I mean, sometimes we'd say no. Other times we'd say, Ugh, fine, you know, here's the candy. But can we get this candy? Can we get this toy? And no. And I remember one time the response from one of my kids was, uh, but I want it. Right? As though, like, wait a minute. Why are you denying me something I want? I should have things that I want. Right? And we're shaped into this world. And the whole, the, whole, the whole culture that we live in is shaping us in this way. And so it's very natural for us to assume that our faith should be like that. It's very natural for us to assume that our spirituality, our Christianity, should be on demand. This is how the rest of our life works. If I want air-conditioned seats, I can get it for $10 more a day or something, right? Like I, like, I can get what I want through the technology that I have, and it gives me this illusion that I'm in control of this thing. And we tend to bring that into our faith. This is the message that our culture sends us. America, in 2016, is sending us the message of saying, salvation is available to you in a variety of ways, on demand, at your convenience, how do you want to be saved? What's the thing that you want that you think is going to fulfill 
the desires that you have. How do you, what do you want salvation from? When would you like to be saved? Tomorrow? That's fine. It's on demand. How would you like your salvation cooked? Medium rare? That's fine. You can have it, right? We tend to assume that salvation is Jesus giving us the things that we want. But here's the, here's the, here's the deal. Today, we're going to proclaim this good news, that salvation, the kingdom of God, is not available on demand. But it comes to those who neither deserve nor demand it as we live out a life of repentance. The kingdom of God, and by the kingdom of God, I don't mean like heaven a long time from now. The kingdom of God, I mean the, the announcement that Jesus made that life in, under God's rule is available to us today. Jesus said, this is available to you today and it's coming through my ministry and it's available to us. But we pronounce the good news today that it's not available on demand, but it comes to those who don't demand it, who don't deserve it, as we seek and live a life of repentance. So let's talk about the text uh, today and see where we find some of these things happening. So in our text today, John the Baptist is in prison, if you didn't pick that up. He's done everything right. He has been faithful. He uh, has been the voice announcing the one who is to come. There would have been a lot of temptations, I'm assuming, to uh, veer off the path, but here's John. He's been faithful. He's announced Jesus. He's baptized in the Jordan. He, and, and for all of his effort in, in God's kingdom and for the purposes of Jesus, he gets thrown in prison when he announces something about Herod that Herod didn't like. And so he just threw him in prison. And so John hears about the things that Jesus is doing. He hears about these things and, he, and he's like, this, sounds, this is all great. And what, what are the things that John heard about? You, you look back in the passage a little bit and you see two stories that are, that are pretty interesting. You, te- you see two stories. The two preceding stories in the text are the healing of the centurion's servant. Now remember, centurions are occupying Roman soldiers. Okay? So it'd be like another country comes and like, you know, air raids were mentioned, right? They, they come and they, and they invade America and they take over America. And in every town, they've got, they've got a, like a soldier who makes sure that the, the peace is kept. And we all know what that means, right? It means like, submit to your new masters or pay the penalty. <laughs> That's the person who comes to Jesus and says, will you heal my servant? And Jesus says, yes, I'll heal your servant. And then the healing of the widows, or the raising of the widow's son from the dead. Those are the two stories that, that just precede this in the text. And John is hearing these things. And there would have been echoes in John's mind to the Old Testament. Because these two stories are very similar to two stories in the Old Testament. The widow at Zarephath in Sidon, 1 Kings 17. And the cleansing of Naaman, the Syrian. In 2 Kings 5. So the centurion is like Naaman. Both are well-respected Gentile military officers. There is intercession by the Jewish people on their behalf for healing. Neither of them directly meet the person who does the healing. Jesus heals from a distance. Elisha does the same thing in the story of Naaman. And then the healing takes place at a distance. These are very similar stories, and they would have had these echoes in John's mind, and every Jewish person who was listening to these things, they would say, he's like Elisha. He's like Elisha. This is the second coming of Elisha. 
And the second story is a story about Elijah, the widow's son in Nain and the widow at Zarephath. Both uh, the dead man in the story is the only son of a widow, which had huge social implications, by the way. It's not just, oh, you don't have your son anymore. It's, it's what, like women in that society. Well, what, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? It happens on the outskirts of the promised land. And Elijah and Jesus both meet her at the city gate. So these, this is intentional on Luke's part. Luke is telling these stories in such a way that there would be echoes of Elisha and Elijah in people's minds. And they would say, this is, he is the one who is to come. He is the Messiah. He's doing the Messiah things. He's healing. He's doing the things that the old prophets did. Here he is. So John's disciples come and they tell him about those things. The, the centurion's son was healed. There was a, there was a you know, a, a dead son of a widow and he ra- raised him. And John's thinking, huh, interesting. But John has a question. Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Why is John thinking this? Why is John thinking this? Jesus answered to him, It says in the text that he was just right at that very moment he was doing all of these healings and Jesus sends him back with this basically collection of verses from Isaiah. And he says, look, go back and report what you've seen. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, good news is proclaimed to the poor. I am the one who is to come. I am the one. Jesus is combining several of these texts from Isaiah. There's 20, verses, chapter 29, chapter 35, 61. And he's kind of summing up the Jewish expectation of Messiah. But interestingly enough, he leaves out a certain verse that maybe John was hoping he would remember. Isaiah 61.1 says that the Messiah will come to proclaim freedom from the captives. Freedom for the captives from the, uh, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus doesn't quote that. He leaves it out of his message back to John. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus leave part of that passage out? Especially the part that specifically spoke to John's situation. And it's because John is in prison. John is in prison. He can't come and ask Jesus himself because he himself is a captive in King Herod's prison. The part that Jesus leaves out in Isaiah 61 is specifically the part that John is hoping he won't leave out. I'm in prison, Jesus. It's great great. you're healing centurion's servants. And it's great you're healing, you're you're raising uh, widow's sons from the dead. I get it, Jesus. You're the Messiah. It's great. But what's the question behind the question for John? What about me? What about me? I'm I'm a prisoner. And, you know, you're, 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 you're exercising your power on behalf of Gentile soldiers. You're exercising your power on behalf of widows. I mean, yeah, God bless them, but I'm John the Baptist. I've been faithful. I'm in prison. You're the Messiah. Do the Messiah thing. Get me out of prison. It's prophesied. This is what you're going to do. Why am I still here? Why am I still here? We proclaim the good news today that the kingdom of God in Jesus isn't available to us on demand. 
but rather it comes to us who don't deserve it nor demand it as we seek a life of repentance. The way into the kingdom is the way through the kingdom, and that's repentance. Our temptation is to think we can list, we can go through the list of the Messiah things, and we can pick one that fits our situation, and we can say, like, give that to me. The kingdom of God is available on demand. This is what John wanted. I want you to release me from prison. And there's, in some sense, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with wanting to get out of prison. But the kingdom of God is not available on demand. How many of you guys can relate to being in a prison? You guys feel that tension that John felt? Through circumstances outside of his control, he's stuck. There's nothing he can do about this. And he, he didn't go to prison because he stole something, right? He didn't go to prison because he was a thief or a, a murderer, sinner. He's in prison because he was righteous. He did all the right things. He fulfilled the call that was on his life. And Herod said, I don't like that guy. Put him in prison. And he's rotting there. I'm sure he's wondering, like, Jesus, hey, can you help a cousin out? You know? Can any of you relate to being in a prison? Something bad happens outside of your control. What's the first question we often ask? Did I do something wrong? Did I miss the boat? I remember when, uh, when I was 25, which I'm 40 now, so that was 15 years ago. I was 25 and my dad died suddenly. Um, I have three, I have four younger siblings and um, they're all younger than me. So, you know, they were 23 and 22 and 21 and uh, 17. And my dad dies suddenly. My dad Um, I know a lot of people have ambivalent relationships with their dad, but my dad was a good guy. He was a a really good guy. One of the reasons I think that Jesus was so real for me is I saw him in my dad. And I saw my dad change, right? So my dad was transformed into a different kind of person while I knew him. He was a good, wise, loving man full of humility. And I'm, <laughs> I'm only 25. How many kids we have? We have two kids by that point. So we, we got these two kids. Like I'm, like, I'm in over my head as a father, as a husband. I don't know what I'm doing. But I remember I always felt like I could call my dad. And he, he would have some wisdom for me or, you know, he would know what to say or know what to, know what to do. I still needed him. I still miss him. And especially my younger siblings needed him. My youngest brother was still in high school. We still needed him. You know, and there's like alcoholic and abusive dads that live till they're 90. Stuck in a prison. What's the deal, Lord? Why is this happening? What's going on? The kingdom of God doesn't come to us as we demand it. But it comes to us neither on demand nor as we deserve. 
but as we seek a life of repentance. I have a few other stories like this that we don't need to share. Maybe something's coming to mind for you. Because here's the deal. Sometimes in prison you, you sing and pray all night and an earthquake comes, right? The angel comes and sets everybody free and then the, the jailer receives Christ and you start a little church there. You know, like amazing things happen when you sing and you pray and you're faithful, get thrown into prison. But sometimes you get thrown into prison You hear about the wonderful things the Messiah is doing for everybody else, and then you get your head chopped off. What's the deal? What's the deal? The deal is the kingdom of God doesn't come to us on demand. God is free. God is sovereign. But it comes to us neither as we demand it nor as we deserve it, but as we seek to live a life of repentance. But the question is always there for us. Are you the one who is to come or should we seek somebody else? Should we expect somebody else? And this is why Jesus uh, very tenderly says this statement to John and to everybody listening. Blessed is the one, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on the way because of me. Because here's the deal. Because the kingdom of God doesn't come to us on demand, because we can't just look at Jesus and say, hey, great, you're a powerful guy. I need you to do this and this and this and this and this, please. The kingdom of God doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like, okay, I'm going I'm to do faithfulness, Lord, and then you're going to deliver on your promises, right? It doesn't work like that. It's grace. And along the way, as we follow Jesus, eventually we're going to get offended, Eventually, Jesus is going to not do something that we want him to do, or he's going to do something that, that, that doesn't seem right. Eventually, it's going to happen. And that's why Jesus says, I, he just knows that's going to happen. Man, if you want to follow me, your desires are not going to be catered to. They're going to be reshaped. They're going to be transformed. Jesus is actually going to take your life and move it in a new direction. That's how that's actually going to happen. Yeah, So he says, blessed is the one who doesn't stumble on the way because of me. Repentance isn't a technique to get what we want from God. It's not a technique to get what we want. Repentance is just saying, Lord, I I don't know what's going on here. But I trust you. And I turn to you. And I ask for your help. Reshape my desires. Help me to follow you, even when I don't get what I want. Help me to question what I want and why I want it. That's repentance. The last part of the verse, Jesus seems to turn, the last part of this passage, Jesus seems to turn to the crowd that's listening. Because I think in the back of their minds they thought, John's in prison, maybe he did something wrong. Right? That's usually our first thought. For ourselves or for other people, like if life goes badly for someone, we think, I wonder if they sinned somehow. Or if life goes badly for me, I think, did we miss it? Did we do something wrong? Did we not hear God? And this is where Jesus actually goes goes after 
this on-demand spirituality. Because there's this little phrase in there that says uh, that those who were baptized by John, even the tax collectors, it's kind of a funny little phrase in there, even the tax collectors, can you believe it? Even the tax collectors, those who were baptized by John, embraced God's justice. They embraced God's righteousness. But those who were not baptized by John, namely the Pharisees, who refused to repent, they rejected God's purpose for their lives. They rejected God's purpose for their lives. So what we're seeking here is a life of repentance that goes into the water with John. And a life of repentance, humility to trust Jesus, even when he doesn't do what you expect or demand. That's what a life of repentance is. And at the last part of the passage where Jesus says, what, how can I talk about this generation? What are they like? They're children who are sitting in the marketplace calling out to each other. We played a pipe for you and you didn't dance. We played a dirge and you, you, you didn't cry. Jesus is saying, unless you have a heart of repentance, nothing is ever going to be good enough for you. You get a John the Baptist who's the greatest prophet of his generation. And you say, I as a demon, because he fasts too much. And then the Messiah comes among you, and he doesn't fast. Instead, he feasts, but he's feasting with all the wrong people. And so you say, ah, he's a glutton. He's a drunkard. He can't be the Messiah. You'll always be able to find an excuse unless you go back to the beginning and in humility, the heart of repentance, say, well, maybe... Maybe there's a possibility I could be wrong. That's, that's the starting point of repentance. Maybe there's a possibility I could be wrong. And maybe I'll follow Jesus and see how this works. And see how this works out for me. See how this happens. My dad walked with God. He was as humble as they come, but he died early. He left behind my mom and me and all of his kids who still needed him. But Jesus and John refused to play to the crowds. They aren't the prophet and the Messiah that everyone wanted. Those that refuse to repent can't see it. God doesn't give us what we want. Instead, he reshapes our wants. He reshapes our desires. So we proclaim the good news today that the kingdom of God in Jesus is not available to us on demand, but it comes to us neither to those who demand it nor deserve it, but to us as we seek a life of repentance. So today, um, are you being asked to change your mind about something? That's what repentance means, change your mind. Are you being asked to repent about something? That's what, maybe it's a way that you're thinking about a situation in your life. Are you in prison in some way? Are you, in, are you inside of a situation uh, that you can't get your way out of and Jesus doesn't seem to be doing anything about? Illness, infertility, bad marriage, rebellious kids, a friend who betrayed you, unemployment, can't get a job. The blessings of the kingdom seem to be available to everybody else, but it's hard for you to rejoice with those who rejoice because like John the Baptist, you're saying, what about me? What about me? I want to just encourage you today. We're going to have a little moment of um, just quiet reflection. Uh, and Chuck is going to lead us in a song that I think will help us to surrender. Part of what we believe very strongly is that um, as the good news is proclaimed, it also then issues an invitation for us to respond. 
And I, I want to encourage you to respond today. By, but maybe there's a situation like that in your life. Respond today by, by, just, by just trusting Jesus. By giving him the situation and saying, Lord, I don't see everything I need to see. I don't know everything I need to know. But I release my demands on you. And instead, I come to you in humility. And I ask, Lord, for what I need. But I trust you that you're with me and that you'll give me what I need. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would have the ability, empowered by you, by your spirit, to surrender to you in the midst of our prisons. Lord, although you aren't giving us right now what we want, we trust that you are working. We trust that your perspective is bigger than we can see or understand. Lord, help us trust that we are not alone, that you have not forgotten us, that you've not abandoned us, that we've never been alone, that you've been right here with us, giving us what we need, accomplishing in us salvation in ways that we can't see, in ways that we can't comprehend right now. Lord, help us. Lord, our, our, our hearts want a kingdom that is obvious. A kingdom that comes when we want it to come. A kingdom that comes in the way that we want it to come, Lord. But you have said that your kingdom comes, uh, it's like a little seed you plant in the ground. <laughs> you don't see anything for a little while, but, it, but underneath the surface you're working. It's like a farmer who, who plants seed and then he, he just trusts the soil to do the work. He doesn't know how. All by itself, though, up out of the ground comes the, comes the fruit. So, Lord, help us to trust that you're working underneath the surface of the prisons of our lives. We lay down our demands, Lord, and we pray for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done in us and through us, just as it is in heaven.